Hello, everyone, and welcome back to MPSA podcast. And welcome to today's team, Tanya Stone, President of MPSA and Vice President of Strategic Technology Great America, Edwin Youngsma, Managed Principles Expert Europe, Josie Hesche, Director of Strategic Marketing Great America Financial Services and Chair of the MPSA Marketing Committee, and Daryl Amy, Chief Innovation Officer of Convego. As an international independent industry body, the MPSA provides education, research, and best practices to help organizations actively manage and optimize their document output devices and related business processes. And to make sure you're up to date with what's going on in the industry, to share insights and expertise with you in a timely manner, the Education Committee has decided to bring hot topics to you via podcast. Easy to consume wherever you are and picking up topics as they happen. Today, we want to take a closer look at marketing, something we all need, something we all try and save money on, but because a lot of it you can see, feel immediately, we're not quite sure what it is and how it works and whether it's worth the money we spend on it. And we have very special guests to help us understand why it's wrong not to invest in marketing and how to make it work. Number one, Edwin Yongsna, who is leading today's podcast with his insights uh, as being a real marketing expert within um, the Dutch and the European market, and Josie and Daryl from the United States. Edwin, they're all yours. The podcast is yours. Let's do some rock and roll on marketing. Thank you very much, uh, Petra. Well, hello, MPSA podcast listeners. My name is Edwin Jongsma. I'm uh, from the Netherlands, Amsterdam. I'm 30 years working in the European imaging industry. Next to my expertise in managed print services, I've always been involved in sales and marketing processes and was very lucky since 2012 to experience the change from the traditional marketing in the digital content-based marketing and have implemented this change with my marketing team. And one of the drivers uh, to implement this was the growing percentage that the selling cycle is happening online. Prospects nowadays are already for more than 50% in the selling cycle before the first contact with an account manager takes place. And prospects are much better informed, know what they want, and already have found the vendors and retailers they want to talk to. And the big question is, have, you, have they found you? And this online digital trend results in a company-wide approach. In digital marketing, the selling cycle starts at the marketing department. As soon as the marketing qualified lead becomes a grilled chicken, it will be transferred to the right salesperson. And when he closes the deal, the operations and services department will more and more communicate in a digital way with this new or existing customer during the lifetime of the MPSA uh, agreement. So think about chatbots you meet on a regular basis when you surf the internet. Marketing has uh, become a responsibility for all employees. The marketing department is still leading, but they can only be successful and be understood if they collaborate with all employees and take them by the hand in this new customer journey. In today's podcast, we have two special experts with a lot of knowledge and experiences about the modern and innovative way to execute marketing and sales processes. Our guests are Josie Hekje. She is Director of Strategic Marketing Office Equipment at Great America and Chairperson of the MPSA Marketing Committee. 
And the other guest is Daryl Amy. He is CEO and owner at Convergo and co-host of the podcast channel Selling from the Heart. Josie and Daryl will introduce themselves to you. And uh, well, Josie, can you start uh, to introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. Thank you, Edwin and Petra. Uh, my name is Josie Heshi, and as Edwin mentioned, I'm the Director of Strategic Marketing for the Office Equipment Group at Great America Financial Services, and I'm really, really honored to be here. We, um, we're we really excited about the, the journey, the transformation to more inbound and digital marketing strategy at Great America, and that's uh, a big part of my role here at Great America in in particular to the office equipment group. I'm in charge of the marketing and communications for our business unit, but I work very collaboratively with the other marketing folks within our, our company. And this is really a big initiative of ours. In fact, that's one of the things that we're in the process of doing is revamping our, our website to make it even, even better and align with, with this inbound marketing approach. That's okay, great. thank you very much, Josie. Well, Daryl, the floor is yours. <laughs> well, uh, it's great to be on the podcast, Edwin, and, and uh, great to talk with you again. Uh, I, I enjoyed meeting you last year over in the Netherlands. And uh, what I just by way of introduction, I am the founder and CEO of Convergo. We provide marketing and sales enablement services to office technology and managed services providers across North America and Australia. And uh, I'm also involved in a podcast initiative with my good friend, Larry Levine. It's the Selling from the Heart podcast where we get to talk with sales leaders uh, from multiple industries. It's been very fascinating. And most recently, uh, and uh, a lot of what's spurred the conversation that we're going to have today is the book that I'm working on this summer called Revenue Growth Engine, which is a step-by-step -step strategy to help companies align sales and marketing to drive revenue results. So I'm glad to be here, Edwin, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Great, uh, well, thanks uh, both of you for your uh, uh, perfect introduction. And uh, well, let's start uh, the real podcast and the questions and discussion. So uh, the first question I have is uh, for both of you. And uh, uh, what, what are, in your opinion, the marketing trends and how does these trends influence uh, the way you have executed marketing within your company? Uh, Josie, can you start uh, with this question? Absolutely. Um, but first, I want to know why I didn't get the invitation to the Netherlands to meet with you two. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> no. I'll, uh, seriously, the the trends uh, question is a good one. However, I would say that the, the the thing I'd like to talk about isn't should not be looked at as a trend, but rather a shift. And so we've all probably heard the statistic that buyers are seventy percent complete with the buying process by the time they contact a sales rep at your organization, and and that's the the trend or rather shift that we're seen as the most important one to pay attention to uh, right now. And it's kind of been that way for a few years, but I think perhaps we're, we're just all really embracing it now and taking it seriously. I know that I have seen this statistic and this conversation come up more often in the last couple of years in the office equipment industry than ever. It, it, it feels good that, that marketing is being 
seen as a, a true important component of a dealer's future success. Um, to kind of add on to that, in the last couple of years, a lot of people in our company have read the book by Marcus Sheridan, They Ask, You Answer, which is really, this, this whole concept is, is the baseline for, for that particular book. And um, he, he tells some stories about how this has worked for his companies and for companies he's worked with. The basic thing is that buyers of all kinds and in all industries are going online first, right? Any, if any of us go to think about buying a product or a service, the first thing we do is we jump on Google or YouTube or something to, to do our research and to look at reviews and to ask questions and find our answers. And of course, as businesses, we want to be the ones that are that are found. We want to be providing that that information and creating and developing that trust with the buyer, right? And so that's really influencing the way that sales and marketing and organizations are thinking about reaching customers and engaging with prospects and in, in, you know, really transforming their marketing as well, right? We're, we're, yeah. Whereas in, we used to be very sales, and, and many times still are, sales-driven organizations, we're having to, to get in front of those prospects online or else we're just missing, missing the boat. Yeah. You know, Josie, I, I think uh, I agree with you, and, and I have one of the things I have to confess, um, Edwin, is I am actually a recovering sales rep. So uh, I've spent the first half of my career in the field, in sales, in the copier business, and then the last half uh, has been in marketing and sales enablement. And so I, it, and I listened to the stats and, and the stat that Josie's quoting about buyers being 70% of the way through their decision-making process on average um, is from the corporate executive board's research that was published in the Challenger sale, which is a phenomenal book by, by Bryn Adamson. And, and uh, we're friends on LinkedIn. We get to chat back and forth on this. And the nuance I want to put on this though that I think is really important because a lot of times the recovering sales rep in me, and by the way, I'm down to therapy twice a month, so it's going pretty well. But the, the <laughs> sales rep in me says, come on, give me a break. I'm out there generating, generating opportunities. And so I, I look at it like there's, there's really just two types of, of sales opportunities. There's, there are the ones where you do have people in your market who, are, uh, who have a specific problem and, and we all go to the answer machine when we have a problem. The answer machine happens to be Google and our social, social networks. However, for every person that's actively shopping, and by the way, I know we're going to talk about this today, we need to be able to encounter those people um, provide helpful information, build credibility, and convert them to leads. But for every person who's actively shopping, who has a known felt need, there's probably 20 people who have a need, but they don't—they're not actively aware of it. I, in uh, his book, *The New Solution Selling*, he calls this a latent need. It's and, and managed print is a perfect example, I think, of a latent need. You know, we all know that there's a, a handful of people that are online searching for information about managed print services. And quite frankly, it's not that many. And the ones that are, are probably ones that have already talked to a sales rep who took that latent need and turned it into a felt need. Um, 
but for the for the vast majority of prospects out there in the managed print services world, they have a need. We all know that they have a a mess when it comes to their 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 printer fleets. It's redundant and costing and not managed, etc. Um, and it's the job of the sales rep to go and interrupt those people with a compelling value proposition that turns that latent need into a felt need. So this is a challenge in marketing and, and this is the nuance I want to bring to the conversation is yes, we do need to get found online, but at the same time, it's as important in some ways more important that we enable our sales team with the uh, right strategy information and tools to be able to also interrupt people uh, with with helpful ideas that that uh, can create opportunities in in more of the quote unquote traditional or or sales way, Josie, what do you think about that? I t I told you we were going to have some fun right off the top. That's right. Well, I I I I'd love to create some drama and disagree, but unfortunately, I completely agree, and I think. Uh, I think your point makes the point about, you know, sales and marketing alignment, which I know we're going to talk about yeah. today, but that's why it's so important. You know, this, the shift that we, we've been talking about has, has created the importance of sales and marketing working closely together so that, you know, we can provide that sales enablement. And if there's, you know, content that the sales team needs to help disrupt or interrupt, the marketing the marketing team can help right and we can work together to answer those questions or create the material or you know whatever it might be that helps the sales team win yeah and, and you know it's what's interesting is the the most of the same things that drive and support that online marketing uh, for the buyer who is online searching most of those same things can also be used to support the sales process because we know that obviously once someone goes into the sales process and I've seen this happen where you're literally sitting across the desk from somebody and while the sales rep is talking to them they're actually googling what the sales reps talking about so all of this you know all of this is so integrated I think the overall trend Edwin that I'm seeing is is just like Josie was saying it's this, this convert convergence of sales and marketing and you know, it was what, Josie, five years ago, we were sitting in uh, a Starbucks in a hotel in Las Vegas. And yeah. We, we coined the term smarketing. Uh, <laughs> we we're so ahead of our time. We were so ahead of our time. There's this convergence of, of sales and marketing. And, 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 and I think it's because of these two different types of demand. I mean, we do have to satisfy the demand of someone looking online, but we also have to fuel that that sales team that's tasked with going out and uh, and driving relationships and creating opportunities. This might be a good time to talk, talk a little bit about that assignment selling. You know, uh, mm -hmm. one of the I know we're going to talk about video at some point today, but um, one of the things that that we're looking at doing um, and we're right in the throes of it is creating a video that that is called the eighty percent video that answers you know, eight out of 10 times, the pro your prospects are asking the same questions over and over again, mm -hmm. right? They're all, they're all asking the same things. And so if that's the case, you can kind of shorten the sales cycle a little bit and help 
and help move things along by provide if your salesperson can just provide a video and be like, hey, before we talk next week, mm-hmm. uh, would you would you please watch this you know short video? I think it'll help us both you know kind of get on the same page and make our meeting next week more effective, right? And in that video, yeah. you can just sort of vanguard all the questions that you know that that are going to come up anyway. You know, Josie. I, I was just going to add, Edwin, I don't even use the word marketing by itself anymore. I, you know, my, my habit now is saying marketing and sales enablement because those two, um, number one, go hand in hand. And we are in a sales driven industry, which, uh, you know, and it's important that we enable the sales rep. So good stuff. Good stuff, Josie. Edward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, great discussion, I think, and um, uh, yeah, very good uh, topics to talk about. Uh, yeah, we agree. It's it, it's it's not a trend. It's it's a, a shift, and and it's very important that there is a very good alignment between the marketing and sales employees. And do you recognize uh, that that's always an easy process to? Create that alignment between marketing and sales, and what are the pitfalls you see there, Josie? Um, are you asking the pitfalls of sales and marketing alignment, or? Yeah, between the, I think we agree on that. Uh, marketing and sales should work very close together to get the best results uh, uh, out of the the digital marketing approach. And, and, and do you recognize that it's always easy to get those two departments aligned or do you see struggles uh, in that process? There, yeah, definitely. I think any, any, uh, anyone I've talked to in the, in the industry and even outside the industry agrees that that's a, that's a true struggle that's, that's real. I think um, we've traditionally, you know, been very, you know, sales or sales driven organizations and, and oftentimes, unfortunately worked in some silos. And so making sure that we're working together um, isn't maybe natural. And so there are so, a lot of it just comes down to communication. Uh, one of the things that I, I was at a um, industry event talking about this topic and one of my suggestions was so simple. It was have your salespeople attend your, or have your marketing people attend your sales meetings and vice versa. And it was kind of crazy at how well that, that idea went over, it, 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 which proved to me that it's just not happening necessarily today. And it's such a simple step, right? To if your if your sales reps are the closest ear to the customer, right? They're really the ones that are on the front lines, understanding, listening, asking questions, and hearing the questions. Our, our marketing people, if we're going to be really aligned and helping answer questions that our prospects and customers have, and creating that content. You know they need to they need to be there and they need to hear it and they need to be asking the questions. So I mean that's just like a really simple thing that is happening that I think can be fixed rather. You know it's low hanging fruit, if you will. Um, the communication. You know if you're if you're beyond that if you're a little more sophisticated than that I think having a, a sales you know a marketing agreement or an SLA can be a great way to to kind of cement uh, the marriage between sales and marketing, if you will, and really, you know, sit down together and figure out what are your common goals, you know, and if you're not at the point where you can say, you know, marketing is going to provide X number of leads 
this quarter and sales is going to, you know, follow up the next amount of time, then what are the, what are the things that you can agree to that you both have to commit to, to get there? You know, so there, there's certain things that need to maybe be in place and, and you could take some baby, baby steps, if you will. Okay. And Daryl, what's your opinion? I think the day of having different departments for sales and marketing is over. I mean, if you think about, you know, the pre, pre-digital world, and it is kind of funny that, you know, we talk about digital marketing like it's a new thing when the internet just celebrated its 30th anniversary, right? Uh, but uh, if you look, you know, back in the old days, marketing was people smoking cigars, drinking martinis, deciding on television ads and, you know, and billboards and rebranding. And now marketing. Those were the days. Those were the good old days, right, Josie? <laughs> I uh, miss them. So, <laughs> but now marketing is, is uh, you know, it, and sales alignment are so integrated into every aspect of the buyer's experience and the client or customer's experience that, um, you know, for, for us to talk about marketing and sales as different teams or departments or silos is, in my opinion, almost ridiculous. I wrote a blog article about how we need to eradicate VPs of marketing and VPs of sales and just have chief revenue officers because the end result of all of this, um, whether wh whatever we're talking about related to marketing and sales enablement, the end result is driving revenue. And um, now that, uh, as, as we've talked about so far, the, the marketing message is so intertwined throughout the entire buyer's journey um, and quite frankly, throughout the entire customer's experience as well, it's kind of, um, you know, to have any kind of silo between sales and marketing anymore is um, just completely counterproductive. So practically, what does that mean? Share the same office. Marketing people, if you're, if you're working for marketing and want alignment, go out in the field with the sales team. Talk to customers interview customers, write case studies, get like really hands-on with all of that. And like Josie said, go to the meetings. And, you know, and if you're leading a company, do everything you can to break down this silo between uh, your, your marketing team and your sales team because we need to get everybody nowadays running in the same direction towards driving revenue growth. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing you mentioned, uh, driving revenue growth. Um, how important is it um, to measure all your activ activities if they bring that revenue growth? Uh, and, and, and how can uh, dealers uh, um, measure this? What's your opinion, Daryl? Well, so I like, I like talking about revenue growth uh, because it is the end result of marketing and sales, right? I mean, everything's aimed at that, and there are only – two ways to grow revenue. If you boil it all down, there's only two ways to grow revenue in a company. Number one, you've got to get more customers. <laughs> so, and, and when we think of revenue growth, especially with our sales hat on, that's what we think a lot of is how do we get more customers? The second way to drive revenue growth is to get more dollars per customer. So when we're engaging with a client um, to do a revenue growth strategy, the ultimate metric is how many customers do you have and what's your average revenue per customer? Interestingly, and if you want to uh, play with some math on this, you know, if you add 15% to your total number of customers and 15% to your average revenue per customer, 
um, consistently over two and a half years, you'll actually double the revenue in your business. And so the, um, the interesting thing is you look at that, uh, let's say you're a copier dealer listening to this, this podcast. When we think of revenue growth, uh, we think of go get me some net new business, net, net new logos, bring them in, of course. But look at the customer base itself and go, wow, if I can raise my average revenue per customer by, you know, X percent, I'm going to also realize a lot of, uh, of revenue growth. And obviously that's cross-selling managed print services, managed IT solutions, et cetera. Um, and so the metric on this begins with those two simple numbers. How many customers do we have? And what's our average revenue per customer? Now, when you start going back to the leading indicators, um, I could probably spend the rest of the podcast talking about the leading indicators to measure on net new business and cross-selling. But we do, um, we, do the, we do the next time that all. Uh, yeah, we'll do that next time. <laughs> but those, you know, that's whatever it is. Because here's the problem, uh, Edwin and and uh, Josie, you, you may agree with this. The marketing world's got almost too much data. I mean, I can open up Google Analytics and I can show you so many layers of data that your mind will explode and or you'll fall asleep. And and so, you know, and, and you take that across all these different platforms. The real question, though, is um, in, in our company uh, at Convergo, we, we run a, a model called the Entrepreneur's Operating System. It's based on the traction methodology by Gino Wickman, which I uh, absolutely love. Um, and so he challenges, uh, he challenges all of us in that to pick a handful of leading indicators they're going to drive toward your ultimate goal, more customers and more revenue per customer, pick those leading indicators and just stick with those. And so the short answer to the question on how you measure this is, is you measure it by end results and you pick a handful of leading indicators, whatever they are, and you stick with those over a period of time and you measure improvement um, on it. But um, Josie, what do you think? Um, I think you're spot on, you know, obviously the, it goes back to the whole, you know, revenue generation team. You know, we're all interested in growing the number of customers and that average dollar per customer uh, from a, you know, that leading indicator perspective. Some of the things that we're looking at is, um, you know, through, through Google Analytics, you know, what is, what's the top, you know, way we're getting that organic traffic and what does that organic traffic look like? Are we increasing it? And then, um, you know, what, how many new years, users are we getting? And then how much time are they spending on our website? So are we pro still providing that relevant content to them? And then the other thing that, that happens, sometimes the, you, you provide that good content that gets them to your website, mm -hmm. but then are you, con are you converting them? Uh, so, you know, do you have enough call to action and lead magnets to be able to to find out who they are and start nurturing them and getting them in, in that, that funnel. But you know, you keep following that down the line and you need to be able to say, okay, they become a marketing qualified lead. How many sales qualified leads are we handing over to sales? And then finally tr being able to track that to what you were talking about, it goes, you know, full circle. Do they become a customer? So I think one of the challenges is, is, in tracking all of that, right? I mean, having the systems to be able to help you track that. And if you're not, if you're not quite there yet, how can you track it manually if you have to, but really trying to dig in and understand that and, and track it can be a, 
you know, a bit of a job in and of itself. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. You mentioned something very interesting. You talked about relevant content uh, and marketing is nowadays very content driven across all uh, platforms. Uh, marketing is spreading out messages. What's in your uh, opinion, um, relevant content, uh, Daryl? Ah, that's good. Uh, well, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, as they say, and relevant content is relevant to the buyer. <laughs> and so, um, and what I mean by that is, what does the buyer buyer want? And if you think about it, um, it, and I've been thinking about this a lot this summer as I've been writing Revenue Growth Engine, is buyers don't buy products. They don't buy services, they buy outcomes. Uh, and I have Theodore Levitt was the eight Harvard Business School professor. He's widely regarded as the father of modern marketing. And uh, he said, you know, people don't buy electric drills. They don't buy drill bits, they buy holes. And uh, I actually have a drill bit on my desk just to remind me of this, that, that people don't buy, you know, they buy outcomes. And so relevant content addresses the outcomes that buyers want. So for example, in the context of our conversation today, nobody has nobody buys managed print services. I mean, let's let's think about it. I mean, what do people actually really buy? Um, and and it's interesting as you start doing case studies and one of the things I get to do in my role is interview clients to do case studies you begin to discover that when people buy managed print services, what they're actually buying is an outsourcing strategy to reduce overhead expenses. They're buying a security strategy. They're buying a uh, strategy to uh, reduce their help desk burden, and they're buying a strategy to lower their inventory costs. All of these things are the outcomes that, uh, that people are realizing from, from managed print services. So, the takeaway on that is relevant content begins with the outcomes that the client wants. Unfortunately, when you look at most content on, in sales collateral and websites and social media that comes from dealers, it's about the product or service and not about the outcome. So the more we can, can tailor the content around the outcome that a CFO or finance director wants, uh, uh, the outcome that a, a IT director wants, you can go vertical on that uh, to the different core verticals, the more we can focus the content on the specific outcomes they're trying to drive, the more relevant we are and the more we're going to get attention. I think what you're saying there, another way to say it is, um, you know, be, being helpful, right? I think that yes. you talked about the features and the products and, and, and I think that is one of the things that the dealers and all of us, you know, have done and done it's in today's world, it just doesn't work, right? Because the, yeah. like you said, they're looking for outcomes. They're looking to solve their problems and challenges and answer the questions that they have. And mm. if you're just talking about your products and services, um, you know, it's not helpful anymore, right? They want helpful content that solves those problems. That's the relevant con content. And so that's where those things like buyer personas can come in handy, right? So if you develop a buyer persona for your, you know, target buyer, mm -hmm. then, you know, what understanding truly, you know, what motivates them? What are their challenges? What questions do they have? Where do they go to find answers? those kinds of things, if you can really understand that and then not just do it once, but 
keep on top, top of it. And, you know, if you're the marketing person out there, like Daryl said, go on those sales calls with your sales reps and talk to your customers and keep asking those questions to make sure you're still relevant and continue to understand, you know, what those, what those top things are. Yeah. Let me give a specific example around that. You know, this last, last, uh, recently, a couple months ago, I was doing some research in the legal market space. Um, and you know, we discovered that one of the core problems in the legal vertical market, which is a fantastic vertical, they still use lots of paper and print. Um, one of the things, and, and by the way, any law firm administrator gets hammered with phone calls every day from salespeople trying to sell, sell them managed print services and copiers, et cetera. What we discovered was that one of the biggest challenges they have is the average number of billable hours per attorney has been declining over the last 10 years. And, um, and so one of the biggest that they have got a huge challenge in, in improving the billable hours per attorney. Now, of course, if you look at different services and workflow solutions, I mean, there's all kinds of ways that we could apply technology to improve the number of billable hours per attorney. So therefore, you know, from a marketing perspective, we start creating content and special reports that talk about how to improve billable hours per attorney. Um, from a sales enablement side, we start creating um, sales prospecting sequences of emails and scripted callbacks um, based on, you know, I'm calling today because billable hours per attorney are uh, decreasing and we'd like to come talk to you about ways to improve that. That's going to get a much higher response rate uh, than just saying, I'm calling to talk to you about your copiers and printers. Um, and so by, by understanding the relevant outcomes, the issues that the prospects face, we're able to craft sales or marketing content and then marketing and sales alignment. We're also able to funnel that information over to the sales team and make everybody much more effective. And uh, we're seeing this work and that's, what's really exciting. This, this content question is really, really important, Edwin. Yeah, and uh, I think we all agree that uh, it's very important that the content is relevant to the buyer because he needs to consume it. And without consume consumation, uh, we, we won't get triggers and they don't uh, won't download anything. And But then comes yeah, maybe the challenge, okay, when a customer is downloading, uh, he, uh, you see he has been on your website or he clicked on a link on, on social media. Mm -hmm. How should uh, a company deal with those triggers uh, in a way that uh, you not know maybe yet where the customer is in the, in the buying process? So you, uh, should, it, um, uh, should it be a soft approach or should it be a sales guy who is uh, following up on those triggers? Josie, what's your opinion on that? Well, I think it depends a little bit on, on where you're at and your sophistication level and your sales and marketing. Um, but if if you do have a marketing platform and you're able to create lead scoring, then you, you, you're able to maybe not contact the, the person every time, you know, we see them take the movement or engage with your content, but rather in, send that over as a marketing qualified lead to the sales team once they've engaged with your content to a point where you've determined that means they're, they're probably a, a really good prospect and, and ready to be, um, ready to have a sales conversation. I, I think, if, you know, if, if you're not quite there yet, then it is possible, I think, to reach out to someone when they've engaged with your content 
and, and not be quite as creepy. You know, you don't have to pick up that phone and say, uh, I saw that you just downloaded our, you know, guide. What did you think of it? You know, you can just make a call and nonchalantly, you know, ask them about that particular topic, you know. So, you know, what do you, you know, what do you think about uh, the challenge that, well, to, to Daryl's point that, that legal is having with billable hours, is, is that a problem for your organization? You know, so you could probably open up conversations without being quite as creepy. <laughs> just <laughs> knowing, it, just, it gives you that nice intelligence to know what's important uh, to the to the buyer by having that that data and knowing what they're engaging with in your content. I also think that today people people are a little less creeped out than they used to be. I think people are used to, to knowing that companies when you're when you're on someone's website and you're um, looking around or downloading content, people know that the company is is kind of monitoring that activity and it's not uh, not quite as creepy as it used to be. I think in most cases. Yeah, I, I, I have a lot of internal conflict on this because my marketing, you know, I have, I have the marketing person on one shoulder and the um, attack dog sales rep on the other shoulder and I've, I've played <laughs> both roles. And one of the things that's, that's frustrated me is um, I've been involved in generating leads um, and opportunities for, for dealers and in, in some of those sales teams, if there's not a mechanism to follow up, those leads go stale. The Harvard Business Review did some research on this and they found out that, oh, I forget the exact data and we can maybe find the link and share it in the show notes, but the optimal time to follow up on a lead is within like six minutes. Problem is with most dealerships, by the time the lead gets to the sales rep to follow up, and by the time the sales rep actually follows up, it might be 12 hours, 24 hours, 48 hours, or longer. And the buyer is long, they've you know seen many shiny objects since then. And it's kind of funny because if, if I look back over a given day and look at how many website pages I visit in a given day, it's, you know, it's dozens, if not hundreds. And so I might see something this morning, but if I don't get a quick follow-up from that company, um, I'm going to move on. So the salesperson inside me um, says that the smartest thing a dealership can do is make sure that there's a mechanism in place to follow up on opportunities within minutes, not hours. In fact, um, I'm really beginning to advocate for a lead management person inside a dealership, somebody that is responsible for not just following up on the forms that are completed, but also we know that, you know, websites are a lot like salespeople. Sales rep might make a hundred calls and get one or two appointments. A website's going to get a hundred visitors. And if it's structured well, it'll get one to two form completions. But in addition to that, um, you know, you can double that, that number by providing instant chat on a website. So, you know, do you have some, do you have a mechanism for that visitor to be able to com converse with you right away immediately? Um, the research overwhelmingly shows that buyers love instant chat. They can get answers to questions while multitasking. I like that. Um, the, um, the other thing is, do you have somebody for the 98% of visitors that don't identify themselves and most people don't, do you have somebody watching and monitoring who's coming to the website? And some of the 
marketing and sales automation platforms out there give us uh, actual clues as to what company is coming to the website. But the problem is a lot of people have that technology, but nobody's watching it. So I think that um, I'm leaning more and more, Edwin, to um, saying, let's, you know, the marketing person in me says, let's nurture this and treat it nicely until it tips. The salesperson in, in me is saying, you know what, sales cycles on this stuff, especially hardware, are, are quick. Somebody doesn't come to a website looking for information on a, a printer or a copier unless they're in the market. So for me to say I'm going to nurture that for two or three weeks is uh, you know, somewhat counterproductive. Let's jump on it. If I offend a few people along the way, uh, we'll train the lead managers to handle those things politely and appropriately, but let's not let these things go stale. So I don't know, a little bit, uh, a little counterpoint, Josie, but what do you think? Yeah, yeah I, I may disagree here a little bit, Daryl. And there's the drama. No. So, uh, so, so, so I, I think we all agree that uh, we, we need a sort of uh, uh, marketing uh, person who is uh, understanding both the sales and the marketing process. Can yeah. start with a sort of soft approach and based on how the conversation with the customer is flowing, uh, moving maybe to the more um, uh, sales approach to get an appointment or to get a follow-up. And also maybe can do some interviewing about what uh, the customer thinks about the content he consumed to learn from that. Is, is that where we can all agree on? I think we can agree on that. And I will also agree with uh, when you said that, you know, you mentioned that Harvard Business Review um, on the optimal time for follow-up. Completely agree with that. But that, I mean, I think we're talking about a couple different things. Not all leads are, you know, created equal. If a lead goes to your website and fills out a form and says, contact me, you had better follow up with them. I mean, if you can do it in five or six minutes, that, that's, amazing and, and it should be done, but um, for sure within an hour or something, right? Because um, they've, they've raised their hand, they've said I'm interested and they're not just gonna, they're not just gonna wait around and be like, oh wow, it's been a while since I contacted that company. I wonder if they're gonna follow up with me. They're just gonna go find another solution, right? They're gonna find right. somebody who, who has really great customer service and is interested in helping them and you know, so, so I do agree with that, but I'm just saying, you know, some of the, some of the leads, um, I think it, I think it helps with prioritization of time for the salespeople. If there, you know, if there's a, you got a big market and a lot of leads in your, in your, um, in different stages of development, I would say, then having, having that nurturing going on in the background and, and kind of measuring that engagement can really help the sales team focus their time wisely and really start engaging with the, with the, the marketing qualified leads that are just, you know, been determined more likely to be a good customer fit. Yeah. I think I do agree with that. And I think one of the things that I'll, that would add to that as well, that would really challenge uh, sales managers on is we need to train our salespeople how to respond to online leads and, um, you know, whether that becomes a lead manager person, um, and I kind of took that cue um, from other industries, even like a car dealership that have internet salespeople that know how to reply to online leads. If it's that person or whether it goes out to your general field sales team, 
those the the sales reps need some education on how to understand where a lead is in the buying process and reply appropriately because i think you know to the point of that that person that's downloaded the special report on how to improve billable hours per attorney is not necessarily saying they want to buy a new fleet of copiers next week what they're saying is i'd like to have a conversation uh you know i'm interested in this topic so a smart sales rep is going to engage um, around that topic, not, Hey, what's your cost per page? You know? So, um, yeah, so it's, it's good. And I think that lead nurturing regardless needs to happen in the background because not, even if you have a more aggressive stance in terms of when sale and how salespeople reach out to those people, the reality is not all of those phone calls are going to get taken, um, or emails replied to. So let's also, you know, it's both. And I think it do everything possible to nurture that lead. Yeah, guys, uh, I think we can talk for days uh, <laughs> on, this, uh, <coughs> on this topic and subject. And uh, yeah, uh, let's come to the final question uh, for the listeners. Uh, yeah, I, I think those dealers or vendors out there uh, not involved yet in uh, a digital marketing strategy should now be aware of the importance uh, of digital marketing. Mm-hmm. And maybe want to start tomorrow. Uh, and and what do you recommend they do to uh, start the implementation process? Yeah, I would recommend. Uh, I recommend that that you start with a strategy. And um, you know the 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 thing about digital marketing. When you say digital marketing, people start thinking of uh, websites, uh, or they start thinking of social media, or they start thinking of email marketing, or they start thinking of marketing automation platforms like SharpSpring or HubSpot and Marketo and all of that. And those are all tools. They're all tactics. They're all necessary components of a digital marketing strategy. And so that strategy begins simply with what are the, what are the, what's our growth goal? How are we going to, you know, what's our goal for net new customers? What's our goal for cross-selling our current customers? And then thinking strategically about what, where's the low-hanging fruit? Where are the opportunities for us to be able to empower our sales team to be able to drive towards those goals? And so, you know, Edwin, I've spent the last 16 years working with uh, primarily copier dealers and also IT companies, helping them grow and i would say the biggest challenge is is that most people start by saying oh we got to rebuild our website well maybe or we got to get involved in social media or we need to install a marketing automation system maybe but first let's you know i challenge you to begin with saying where do we want this company to go revenue wise and then thinking strategically about how we can build a plan to integrate sales and marketing to get there and and um, and that, um, you know, when I watch companies approach, approach things that way, uh, that's what ends up creating and empowering sustainable growth. Josie, what's your uh, opinion on, uh, on how to start? Oh, I, I think that was, that was an incredible answer, Daryl. Nice work on that. Cause I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, the only thing I would add to that is that, you know, when, you know, spending, spending time on a strategy is so worthwhile and you know coming up with some strategic initiatives you know and maybe no more than three that you want to really focus on to be able to get to those those goals um, is really important 
And then, you know, if you're a smaller dealership, it might be that you do need to partner with someone. And I, and I can say that because we don't even have, you know, a marketing agency service that we provide at, at this time at Great America. Um, but, you know, companies like Daryl's or, you know, Clover Amplify or Into Communications, Evolved Office, there's a, quite a few of them in our industry alone uh, that can help. And then, you know, obviously every market probably has a number of agencies in their own local markets um, that can help them execute on, on their strategic plan. But getting that, that strategy set in place to make sure you, you have somewhere you want to go and, and can measure against it is is the best place to start. Yeah, I think that's a, a very good final recommendation, maybe especially for smaller dealers to, to see if there's a partner in your neighborhood who can uh, yeah, help you with the strategy and uh, the implementation. Uh, well, I, I thank you both very much, uh, Josie and Daryl, uh, for joining uh, yeah, this podcast with your expertise and, and tips and tricks. And I, uh, I'm sure uh, a lot of listeners uh, will enjoy it as well. Uh, and um, for those listeners uh, who are not a member yet of the MPSA, go to the website of the MPSA and become a member so you can consume a lot of more content which can be relevant for you in the future. And I thank you again, Daryl and uh, Josie, uh, for uh, this great podcast.